And we're looking at the book of Ephesians in chapter 2. And one of the ways that we hear what God is saying is not just by being quiet and in our own imagination and thought processes, but actually by reading his word. Reading his word. Not just having his word on a coffee table, not just knowing that our, our Bible is somewhere in the building, but reading his word. And to read it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because uh, the Holy Spirit was there when it was written, so we should probably listen to him as we are reading it. So we're looking at, again at the book of Ephesians, and um, I just really want to make one or two little points from these verses. So we've got up to chapter 2 and verse 11. And Paul is um, saying these things. He says this, therefore, you know what it says when it says therefore, you need to read the whole chunk before it because it all links together, but we haven't really got time for that. So it says, therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. And I really just want to talk about that just for a few moments. So we know that at the very beginning of time, that, um, that God wanted to be in relationship with humankind, Adam and Eve. That he, re- that he, he revealed himself, this, this idea of the general revelation in what he has created and how he has created it. That we are without excuse, that we would know his love and his faithfulness and his commitment and his, and his mercy and his power and his beauty and his creativity and the joy and the celebration of being alive. And that, um, and that Adam and Eve, uh, in relationship with God would, 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 that the whole Garden of Eden would flourish with this faithfulness and love and this commitment that, 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 um, that, 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 that Adam and Eve, that people would love God and be, be faithful to God and committed to God and, and love each other and faithful to each other and committed to each other. And the whole garden would be full of these relationships of faithfulness, love and commitment, beauty and creativity. And then the whole earth would be filled with these relationships of love and faithfulness and commitment to one another, of honesty and integrity and joy and celebration and we would work together in relationship with God in managing the creation together working with him to cause everything and everybody to flood and flood and flood and flourish and do all of these things that was that was God's plan in the beginning but when we read the creation stories and when we read the story of how sin entered the world that people thought that Adam and Eve thought they knew better than God and then there was the separation we know that sin came in a sin which corrupted them them as individuals but also the relationships and 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 when you read that story which we haven't got time to do you can see how that sort of corruption got into the relationships but also into the creation and also into the sort of the dynamic in the communications and so what, what did God do? Did he wipe his hands of people at that point? No, he continued to try to build these relationships of love between him and humankind, of love and faithfulness and commitment. And he tried it through, the, through um, you read it through the, the promises to Noah, and you read it through others of the relationships in the Old Testament. And then you come to, the, to Abraham, and that Abraham, I should say, there in Ur of the Chaldees, far, far away from Israel, where God promises him this promised land 
that he promises to him these agreements of love that if we will do this together, these will be the results and the results will be a blessing. And blessings, of course, are love and faithfulness and commitment and, 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 and an expansion and, 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 and family and offspring and, and the delight of community and joy and celebration. And so that was God's plan with the people of Israel, that they would be God's chosen people, like forerunners, not the exclusive little group that will build a wall around themselves and just keep hanging on until, until heaven, but that they would be the ones into whom blessing is poured for it to pour out to others. They would be blessed to be a blessing, that they would be able to reach all nations, that the laws that are going to come through Moses later on about how we eat and how we live and how we relate to each other, how we relate to God, would come into them and out from them to others. And all people would come into these covenants and these blessings and this relationship with God of faithfulness and love and commitment. But we also know that during that process, the people of Israel got a bit sort of full of themselves. We are the chosen people. We are the promised ones. And, um, and you're not. We are the in and you are the not in. And, but so then God continued to try to go back to the people of Israel and say, remember the covenants to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Remember the promises I made. You read in Hosea about how God is so committed to the people of Israel, so committed to relationships, so committed to blessing. He speaks about the whole thing in the picture of a divorce and a breakdown of relationship, of disaster. And, 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 the, and the just the, the, the heart-wrenching story of Hosea and the picture of God with his people Israel. And then, of course, we, we, we get to the end of, of the Old Testament and into the New where God sends his son Jesus to do the same thing, to say, here are some disciples and I want you to learn to love, to love God and love each other, to be faithful to God and faithful to each other and committed to God and committed to each other. And so where we find relationships in church and in family and around and about where there is love and faithfulness and commitment, we see a picture of the things of God. We see a picture of how God wanted things to be. It's how church should be. shouldn't be riven with division and suspicion and other rhyming words. And so God had this plan. And, and in sending Jesus and in sending the power of the Holy Spirit, he wanted us to know what it is to be loved by him in order to love others. In order to know of his great faithfulness to us in order to show faithfulness to others and committed to him and committed to each other. And so when we come then to these words in Paul, this is what Paul is getting at. Paul is trying to say, look, there are those who are going about and they are telling you things which are unhelpful for your journey and for your faith. So that he says, first of all, remember where you were formerly. So now you know something about where you are in your faith journey. You might have become a Christian in 1981, as I did before that or after that. You might have chosen to come to, into a position of faith, or maybe you haven't yet. Maybe you were baptized and, baptized and, and filled with the Holy Spirit sometime in 1984, or when you went to Spring Harvest, or New Wine, or Soul Survivor, or some other time. You know your faith journey, but you also know before that you were brought up perhaps in a Christian family or not. Perhaps you were brought up in a Christian family that wasn't all that Christian. Who knows what your journey has brought you along and through. So Paul says, remember where you were. Remember who you were. It's part of our way of knowing where we are now, what our journey has had for us. On Friday, you know, every now and then I use an illustration about my running. On Friday, I ran the wrong way. 
Because at the beginning of my run, I went to High Wycombe, I parked in Morrison's amidst all of the fighting with toilet roll and stuff. And I ran and I saw this other person running and I thought, where's he going? So I follow him. Bad error. It was dark and I ran up this very, very steep hill from Hewenden over the top at Downley and down the other side. And then I had a long way to run after that, but I'd used up quite a lot of my energy and my muscle running up this hill. So it was vertical, it wasn't vertical, it like that and, and down the other side. And then when I got to the end of my run and I thought, why am I so tired? Why has it been slower than usual? I had to remember the journey I'd been on. Actually, I usually run on roads which are as flat as I can find. But here was a hill that somebody had inconveniently left in the way. I never did find that person, by the way. I don't know where, I don't know where they went, but anyway. Remember your journey. Remember the, stu- the tough bits. Remember the bereavements. Remember the disappointments. Remember the disillusionments. But don't allow yourself to be bogged down by them. Remember where they were. Remember how God delivered you and move forwards. So Paul is saying, remember how you were formerly. Was there a time when you didn't pray, but now you do? Was there a time when you were discouraged, but now you're not? Was there a time when you didn't understand parts of the Bible, but now you do? Uh, Remember, he says, verse 11 there, that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and... Okay, let let me just do this. This is why I needed this board. Got it here. Can you see that? In, out. This isn't how they wrote the okie koki. <laughs> okay, so this is what Paul says. In, the people who were in relationship with God were the Jews. The people who were out of relationship with God was everyone else. Okay, that's all I wanted the board for because you, you need to realize that that's the situation that, 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 that we were in. We mostly were gen, um, gen, <laughs> mostly we're Gentiles, and we're out of relationship with God, far away, distant. And that if you start to look at some of the things that Paul says, if you are a Jew, then you have the covenants, blessed to be a blessing, that we are in relationship with God, that he is pouring all of heaven into that faithfulness and love and commitment. And it's for us as a people. We are the in people. We are the chosen people. We are the ones, Paul said. And so because of that, therefore, because of that, we have hope. It means that we, whatever our situation is now, there is, a, there is a further better ending in sight. That there is a better relationship to come. That the, the Messiah is going to come. And that we who are his chosen people are going to be the ones who are gathered up and selected and brought into relationship with him. Because we are of the chosen people. We are the Jews and therefore we are in. He says that we, we have the covenants and the promises. That we have hope. That we actually have God. We are in relationship with God in heaven himself. Yahweh, if you like. We are in relationship with him, the creator of all things. If you read the beginning of Psalm 23, where it says, The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord of heaven and earth. Not a God. The Lord is my shepherd. We are in relationship with him because we are the chosen people. We are the people of the promise. We are the people of the covenant. We are the ones about whom the, the laws for whom the laws and the, um, the, the, um, the beginnings of the Old Testament were written for us. And the history was written about us. This is us. 
But also, we are nearby, chosen people, the children of God. That is who we are if we are a Jew. We are in. But I want you to remember, says Paul, you Ephesians in, here in Asia Minor, I want you to remember that you were everyone else. You were out. All these things were true of the Jews, but not everybody else. And so what we find, actually, is that you had no um, legal position. No legal position. You had no right before God. There was no agreement. There was no covenant. You were, you were left to your own devices to carry on. You were meant to be uh, receiving a blessing from the, ble the people who've been blessed. But they haven't done it. And so you are far away. You are, you are well out of it. You have no legal position. Whereas the Jews could say to God, look, we've got this agreement. You said if we were faithful, you'd be faithful. So where's that, what's happening? Whereas you, you're nobody. You're nothing. You have no rights. Nowhere at all. And Paul says that's where we were. That's where we were. If you have a, if you have a look here, he says that, um, that, that you were alone. Um, where does he say that? Without hope and without God. So, so we are hopeless. Hopeless. We're in a bad situation and there's no prospect of it getting any better. You know, we have all of these, these, these things about how we should live and, and all these things about how we should live together. But actually, what's going to happen is we're going to be subject to the natural laws, the, the survival of the fittest. We're going to be subject to the spiritual laws and to the, to the demonic. We are going to be practicing, we're going to be practicing child sacrifice. We're going to be practicing all sorts of sexual stuff and all sorts of evil stuff and all sorts of destructive stuff. But why shouldn't we? Because there's no hope, there's nothing else going, so actually it's all about me. And do we not see a little bit of that going on now? Some of the things that we're seeing in our society as a result of this virus are the natural consequence of not believing in God. And therefore, we hold on to the, 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 um, that, that sort of that survival of the fittest, the natural selection. I'm stronger than you, so I'll have your toilet roll. I'm stronger than you, so I'll have all of that gel stuff. I'm richer than you, so I can buy everything that I need for my thing. And actually... Actually, as Nietzsche said, the problem with the world is not the poor, it is the weak. The weak, because they take all the resources from the rich and the strong. So what we need to do is to find a way of getting rid of all the weak, because then all of the resources can go towards making the strong stronger and the rich richer. So why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you if you saw that your neighbor had something that you hadn't? Why wouldn't you break in and steal it? What's the consequence? Why wouldn't you destroy the weaker person in order to build yourself up? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you do whatever you could to make your life better if there's no consequence? And Paul says that's where you were. There's no hope. The world is hopeless. Do what you can. Do what you will. Everybody does what's right in their own eyes. That actually um, we're abandoned, abandoned and alone. And that's where you were. Stuck and trapped without God, and as I said, subject to the other spiritual forces. Forces which are out to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says the devil, um, when he lies, is speaking his native language. He's a liar, a deceiver, 
a fraud and full of pride and arrogance. Far away. God is far away. So that's, what, that's the situation, Paul says. That's where you were. Remember, that's where you were. I want you to remember where you were. I want you to remember where some of us are. I want you to think about where loads of people that we know are even today. But then Paul says this in verse 12. He says, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. We just said, without hope and without God in the world. But now, brilliant words. Ugh, but now, there's nowhere to hide since you've put my love but now, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, you who were once here, because of Jesus, have been brought here. You do not need to be circumcised. You do not need to become a Jew. You do not need to go to a temple. You do not need to kill any animals. You do not need a priest. You do not need to go through any of the rituals. Because in Jesus Christ... Everything that needs to be done to bring you from here to here has been done. This is what Paul says at the bottom of this, verse 13. You who are once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. The death and resurrection of Jesus is the only way to move people from hopelessness to hope from having no position to being part of the covenants of God, from being abandoned and alone to being in relationship as, with God as a good, good Father. It is by the Spirit of God that we cry, Abba, Father, that we who have been far away from God have been drawn near only because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Not because of our cleverness, not because of our righteousness, not because of we, that we do anything, as we said last week. We are not rescued and saved by good works. We are rescued and saved to do good works that God has prepared for us to do in advance. We were once far off. We were once excluded. We were once not a people, but now we are the people of God. We were once distant, aliens and, aliens and strangers, but now we are family and friends of the Lord Jesus. And we need, to, we need to understand it, we need to receive it, and we need to live like it, because in that way we start to move in the authority that he has given to us. We start to recognize that we have not been blessed only for our own good, but to bless others. The church is not here to bless itself, to give itself something to do, to keep itself entertained until heaven. The church is blessed to be a blessing to others. It is the, it is the source through which the righteousness of God comes through us and out to the world. That actually, it's, it's our, our, situ our position as the church is that we are the ones in these circumstances we face now are the ones who have hope. We don't just have hope because, um, uh, because we have a community of people we can look after each other. That is, that is our hope. We do hope in each other, don't we? Because that love and faithfulness and commitment abounds. But we see that in other places as well. But we also have a hope which goes beyond death and beyond the grave to heaven forever. That we have a hope which goes beyond our sin because our sin is taken away and we are made righteous in, righteous in Christ. That actually we are not, not abandoned alone. We have, been, we have been gathered in, not quite, adopted. 
That's the word I was looking for. You were, you were close, but it wasn't good enough. No cigar. Yeah, we have been adopted into God's family. Do you like that idea? I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of, it's a kind of a, yeah, okay. Wow, the warmth and the excitement. Um, um, you know, we were once far away. God is once far away. There was once a time when we had no idea what God was on about. We had no idea where he was. But now he has come near. He dwells near. He, he, he dwells in us by his Spirit's power. It's marvelous. And so Paul is saying this, that in these days, we need to remember where we were, remember who we were, and now remember who we are, and now remember what God has made us. Let's say a prayer then, shall we? Thank you, Peter. Let's just pause and pray. Just have a little think about your journey. Where were you and where are you? How's your faith? How's your relationship? You were once strangers and aliens, but now you're children, heirs of God and co-heirs in Christ. And it's only the blood of Jesus Christ that can do it. So this evening, apply the blood of Jesus Christ to your sin and, and allow him to wash it away. Lord, we confess our sin to you. Would you wash us clean and make us whole? We thank you that the promises of God are all yes and amen in Jesus Christ. That we are blessed to be a blessing to others. That you have brought us near and that you are with us this evening. We give you thanks for your purposes and your promises. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.